The title of our message today out of Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10 is A Different Jesus, A Different Gospel. That there are people who teach a different Jesus than the Jesus that we believe in. There are people that teach a different gospel than the gospel that we believe in. The book of Galatians is a unique book among the books in the New Testament because the people of Galatia, the region, had received false doctrine and believed it and implemented it. They were actually living it out. And so it's got a different tone than any other book. It's almost the opposite of the book of Ephesians where they test everything. That, remember Revelation, the letter to the Ephesians, they tested everything, they tested false prophets, they weren't willing to believe in anything, but their problem was they had left their love. They had left their first love of God. We need to be passionate about the truth, but we need to stay deeply in love with God. The Galatians had the opposite problem. They had embraced false teaching. The interesting thing about this false teaching, and we did a study on it last week where we talked about legalism and we talked about works-based religion, and we saw, and I think it was a pretty definitive study that we saw clearly that we are not to live under the law. The law cannot save us. Paul says in Galatians, if, if the law could save us, then Christ died in vain. Not one law can save you. Not one. None, none of the commandments, not, not one of the commandments can save you. If you say, well, wait a minute, it says, thou shalt not have any other God before me. Well, yeah, if you keep that, that's great. But what if you break the fifth commandment or the sixth commandment? What if you covet something? What if you bear false witness? What if you slander somebody? Now you've broken the law and you're unsavable. You can't be saved by it. And that's why they gave sacrifices, not in order to forgive their sins, but to cover their sins until Jesus could come along, die on the cross and offer us salvation by grace and not by works at all. Now, this false doctrine that you, you, can, you, you should keep the law or you have to keep the law to complete your work with Christ, that false doctrine is, is the attack against it was so good because it helped to define what the real gospel is. We know what the real gospel is because of Romans, because of Galatians, because of Hebrews. All of them were fighting, battling against this legalism. And so we have the definition. Well, they, they went over it and over it and over it because of this particular false doctrine. It is almost like it's a false doctrine that was planned by God or he allowed that false doctrine or he used good out of it because had they not been writing against it, we would not have so much of what we have in the Bible, so much of what is written. If it wasn't for this particular false doctrine, we would not have at all. And um, it, like I said, definitive, definitively attacks work-based religions. And this, of course, is a balance, right? Because we are saved and then we do good works. James said, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. And people confuse that. They think, well, that's saying that you got to be saved by works. James wasn't. He said, show me your faith by your works. So you have to have faith first to be revealed by your works. So it's not that we don't do any works, but certainly not the law. And that is clearly defined. And this teaching is still around today. We fight against it on a regular basis. Groups of people who will teach that we have to keep some kind of the law. We've got to keep the Sabbath. Uh, we've got to keep the dietary laws. They'll go back to certain things within the law that we are supposed to keep when the Bible never says that. Now, uh, before we get, um, well, I want to read you 
verse 8 out of Galatians 1. This is in the middle of our text. And this is going to give you a sense of what the text said. This is probably the strongest stance in the Bible against false doctrine. It says in Galatians 1.8, But even if we or an angel from heaven preach another gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. He's saying anybody who's bringing you a doctrine that is different, let them be accursed. Now, this puts us in a little bit of a precarious place because the Bible says in the last days, men are going to heap up for themselves teachers who will tickle their ears. They bring different gospels today. The Bible says that they will teach doctrines of demons. So there are spiritual forces behind the doctrines, the different gospels that are being taught. And in a little while, we'll actually break down what some of the false gospels are today so that we can really identify them. Now, in Corinth, to the church at Corinth, he also says something similar because false doctrines were, were bleeding into the church at Corinth. It's just that Corinth was such a, I heard one pastor say that the church at Corinth was a dumpster fire. It was such a dumpster fire. There was so much going on that was so wrong that uh, he didn't spend a lot of time attacking false doctrine. But he says this to them in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4. For if he comes preaching another Jesus whom you have not preached, who we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit with, which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. So he was concerned that the Corinthians might be taught a different Jesus, a different spirit, a different gospel, that they would put up with it. And that concern he had for the Corinthians is exactly what happened in the region of, the, of Galatia. They had received a different Jesus. They had received a different gospel. They had received, were believing something that was indeed a lie. Now, let's break down a little bit of this. And I want to talk about that phrase where he uses in the beginning of 2 Corinthians eleven four: for if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached. This tells us that every time somebody uses Jesus from the pulpit doesn't mean that they're talking about the same Jesus. There could be different Jesuses. And they could be talking about the Jesus of the Bible, but they change things that make him different. And I think that this is really important for us to understand. And one of the examples is in Mormonism, or as they're trying to rebrand themselves now to Latter-day Saints. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is how they want to rebrand themselves and where they used to attack Christians and made themselves distinct from Christians. Now they say things like, we believe the same as other Christians. So they're trying to, to now rebrand themselves as Christians. And if you go onto the Latter-day Saints website, you can see there's whole sections where they talk about what they believe. They'll say things like, we believe in the Godhead. We believe in um, uh, salvation through Jesus Christ alone. Now, when you and I hear that, we hear the Godhead, we know what we think. We think that's one God with three persons, but that's not what they mean. They believe everyone can become gods and they believe that God, Elohim, was a man and has a human body right now, the form of a human body right now, and that he got his own planet and that he is God and that Jesus was a spirit baby who became a God. And they believe that you can become gods as well. 
that if you go through the progression, that's their word, you can go through the progression and you can become gods. The interesting thing about this false doctrine is it's, it's almost like the garden when the serpent had Eve eat the fruit. The day you eat it, God knows you will be like him. You can be like God by eating this fruit. And now the same doctrine that you can become a God. You can have your own world. Now, for you gals, it's not as appealing because one guy has a bunch of wives and God in heaven, there's, there's a heavenly father and in Mormonism, there's a heavenly mother. I, I don't know if you know this or not. So the show, The Chosen, and Dallas Jenkins is the director and the creator of The Chosen. Uh, how many of you guys have seen it? Just out of curiosity. Okay, I love it. It's awesome. It's a great show. Um, I, there's things I would do differently, but that's probably the case with you too, right? If you were the director and the creator of it, you probably would do some things different. And there's some things that people disagree with. I don't think any of it is, um, any, any of it is in any way should make people not watch the show. People have watched it. People are blessed by it. People have gotten saved watching the show. Now, the second series was cut in Utah using a Mormon set. And the, the, he began to use some of them for some of the projects on The Chosen. So, and I'm not sure exactly wh where they're involved in it. I think it's in merchandi merchandising or VidAngel maybe. I, I, I don't really know exactly which one of them, but, but Mormons are involved in it. And I don't have a problem with that. I don't think whether they're Mormons or atheists or, or, or Jehovah Witnesses or whatever to work on a project like that, I don't have a problem with. I think as long as those who are making the creative decisions really represent Jesus well. But here's what he said that got him into some trouble. He said he's talking to, he's being interviewed by a Mormon and he is reassuring him that he loves them. And he says, I've got a newfound brotherhood between LDS and myself and I discovered that they love the same Jesus that we love and then later on he says that they know the same Jesus that we know and then he says I'll live and die by this statement I'll stand or fall by this statement so he kind of takes a hard line on the statement that he makes uh, a little bit later on if you guys are aware of a YouTube uh, creator by the name of Ruslan I think he used to be a rapper. He now puts Christian videos together. G good stuff, by the way. Check, check him out. Ruslan. Um, he interviews Dallas Jenkins and he softens it. He says, I have Mormon friends and I talk to them about what they believe about Jesus and they believe the same thing that I believe and I realize that they believe in the same Jesus I do. So that, and, and then he never, and he, and he said, I stand by that statement. So he kind of doubled down on it. I stand by that statement. Now, is that possible? Could you have a Mormon who doesn't believe what the Mormon church teaches and be genuinely saved? Could they really love the, the same Jesus and be saved by him if they change their belief what the Mormon church believes, but still call themselves a Mormon? And I would, I would say yes. If you believe in the Bible, the Jesus of the Bible, you put your trust in him, then yes. If you believe in the Jesus of Mormonism, I don't believe that you can be saved. And, and here's why. I want to talk about three things that really concern me. Mormon, Mormon doctrine is a whole other thing and we might get into it at some other point 
And you can do a lot of research on your own uh, to figure out what it is that, that Mormons believe. And we all know they're really nice people, right? Because that's the argument you get when you talk about Mormonism, but they're really nice people. I agreed, okay? Really nice people. They weren't always, but they are now. There's, you know, some massacre with some valley, right? And then there were, you know, they would sick people on their enemies. They're pretty good at that. Um, but there are three things about Jesus, the personhood of Jesus. And that's what we're concerned about now. Is the Jesus of the Bible the same as the Jesus that the LDS church teaches? So first of all, the origin of Jesus. Where did Jesus come from? You and I believe that he was in the beginning with God. You and I believe that, as it says in the Old Testament, he would be born in Bethlehem and he would rule over God's people and his days would be of old, of everlasting. We believe he's always been around. He's always been around. He will always be around. He is the I am, we believe. John chapter one, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And he created all things and nothing has been created that he did not create. That's what it says in John chapter one. And then in verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh. So the word is God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The LDS church teaches that the heavenly father has a body like us, had sex with heavenly mother, one of his many wives and produced the spirit baby Jesus. That's what they believe. Now, you don't have to take my word for it. You can go look it up. Go. It's going to take you a little bit of time. And when you go to the LDS website, remember that they give different definitions to words that we do than we do. Like Godhead, they believe, we believe that's three in one. They believe that they're each individual gods, that they became gods by themselves. So the spirit baby Jesus that was born, or the spirit Jesus, I don't know if I guess he was born as a baby if in their theology, but as he grew up, he excelled in authority and influence and he became a God. So they will tell, they'll say to you, Jesus is God. And you go, oh, well, yeah, right. And we believe in the Godhead. And you go, yeah, right. And we believe you can only be saved through Jesus. Well, yeah, right. Well, you guys must be Christians. That's what they're going for. They're doing that on purpose. They are purposely being deceptive in order to get Christians to go, oh, they believe the same thing we believe. So who, who is Jesus for, to them? A spirit baby that was born to a heavenly father and a heavenly mother. To us, he has always been God and will always be God. That's right there, it's a different Jesus. The second thing is the second child who was born to heavenly father and maybe a different heavenly mother, I don't know, was Lucifer. And Lucifer excelled in influence and authority as well as Jesus did. And when it came time for, for somebody to be sent to the earth as the savior, Lucifer volunteered and so did Jesus. And Heavenly Father chose Jesus over Lucifer. And if you want to look up these in the Pearl of Great Price, remember there's the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, and there's the Doctrines and Covenants. They believe that the Bible is, is wrong. It's got mistakes in it. It's wrong and that these clear it up. They gave these books to clear up what the Bible says. So in Moses 1 of the Pearl of Great Price, they have Satan contending to be Savior. And in Abraham 3, 7, that's again the Pearl of Great Price, Heavenly Father chooses Jesus instead of Lucifer to go out and to be the Savior. Now, we're talking about the personhood of Jesus. We're not so concerned about all the other stuff right now. So their Jesus is a brother, a spirit brother, 
to Satan, to Lucifer. Our Jesus created Lucifer. And I'll read you a verse that says that here in, in just a moment. Um, uh, you could also look up. I'm just going to give you these references. OK, if you want to slow it down, and look them up. You can. Uh, you can look up Doctrine and Covenants 7625 and Doctrine and Covenants 9321. I just wanted to cite the references because so often you say things and then people are like, I don't know if that's really true. I want to give you the opportunity to go look these things up if you want to. So the final thing about the personhood of Jesus that we would strongly say that's not the same Jesus is that they believe that Heavenly Father, and I'm a little fuzzy on if he married Mary or not. I'm going to assume he married her. That Heavenly Father had sex with Mary to have Jesus come into this earth. That's what they believe. And I've got a, um, a Brigham Young quote. Oh, I don't. It's in my other notes. Um, I got a couple quotes. Uh, I'm not going to do it. I was going to open up my other notes to get out the, the Brigham Young quotes. Um, but so they believe that literally. And, and Brigham Young said uh, that, and I, yeah, Brigham Young said, I've got those sightings in the Q&A from today, by the way, because I talked about this in the Q&A. So if you want to know where he, Brigham Young said that, then go look at our Q&A. Sorry to do that to you. Uh, Brigham Young said that Jesus was born naturally like all of us were born. It's clearly, it's clearly taught. We believe Jesus was born of a virgin. And you say, well, how do they get around the Bible? They don't believe the Bible's true. They believe the Bible has problems. They believe that their books are to clarify what the Bible says. We believe Jesus was virgin born. We believe the Holy Spirit placed Jesus supernaturally inside of Mary. Now, scholars debate whether there was, you know, what, you get 23 chromosomes from each person. Is that right? I hate when I start talking about something I don't know everything about. But um, whether or not he used some of Mary's chromosomes or whether he just put Jesus in her stomach, created Jesus and put her in her womb. Um, but that's what we believe. The Holy Spirit is the one that's supernaturally so that a virgin could give birth. And so they would teach something completely different. So if Jesus was born as a spirit baby from Heavenly Father, and if Jesus is the brother of Lucifer, and if Jesus came to this earth through a sexual relation with Heavenly Father, I don't think there's any of us here who would say that's the same Jesus. Do they believe that Jesus died and rose again? Yeah. Could you say, could that be the same Jesus? Well, that part, maybe they're looking at that Jesus. They're looking at what the real Jesus did. But our Jesus is much different. Listen to this is a creed. This is Colossians 1, 15 through 18. And scholars believe this was a creed the early church memorized so they could memorize the, of the personhood of Jesus. Listen to what it says in the Bible about Jesus. This is Colossians 1, 15 through 18. He is the image of the invisible God. And I, I refer back to John 1, 1, 2, and 14. The firstborn over creation. It doesn't say he's the firstborn of creation. He's the firstborn over creation because being a firstborn is an office. You got the inheritance if you were the first, you had the right of the firstborn. And so Jesus has the right of the firstborn and we, we are co-inheritors with him. So he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over creation, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth. Now he's going to go through a list. 
visible and invisible. So there's an invisible world around us, spiritual, and there's a physical world, and Jesus created both of them. Whether thrones or dominions, that means he created kings and their kingdoms, principalities and powers. These are angels and demons. Remember in Daniel 12, Michael is called the prince of Israel. And earlier, Gabriel is fighting the prince of Persia and the prince, yeah, the prince of Greece, he's got to go back and fight the prince of Persia. And remember in Ephesians, it says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So Jesus created principalities and powers. That means he created Lucifer. Okay. Um, all things were created through him, but not only through him, but for him. All things were created for Jesus, through him and for him. And by and he is before all things. And in him, all things consist. That's not the Mormon Jesus. It says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, meaning he was the first one ever to rise from the dead in his glorified body. And all of us will follow him that in all things he may have the preeminence. Now, Dallas Jenkins will never listen to this, and, but I want to say to him, I love the show. I encourage people to watch it. Unless something radically changes in the show, I won't stop watching it. I won't tell people to stop watching it. But people are extremely open when you apologize. When you say, I was wrong and I'm sorry. It's incredible how forgiving people are. And you can couch that however you want. You can say, I, I was uninformed. I just didn't understand. You could say, I kind of got stubborn. I shouldn't have, but I'm sorry. And I don't believe that the Jesus of the Mormon church is the Jesus of that, of, that created the world, of the Bible. They're not the same. They don't serve the same one. And apologize. Just do it heartfelt. People are incredibly forgiving. And that's the right thing to do. Instead, he's continuing to soften it. And I appreciate, I appreciate that. I appreciate him going, there were Mormons that I knew that had the same belief about Jesus than I did. That's softening it from his interview with the Mormon. And I appreciate that softening, but I just don't know if it's good enough when you make a stand, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand or fall on this when he makes that kind of a stand. So, I just want you to know, no bitterness. And I, again, I don't know that he'll ever watch this, but I want him to know no bitterness, no anger. I just think it's a sad thing that people could be sucked into this. It's, it's adding legitimacy to something they're trying to do. They're the ones who say, we serve the same Jesus as Christians do. You can go on their website and see it there. That's their statement. That's their propaganda. And so now, now you have mimicked their propaganda. And I love you, and I, I really want you to do good. I'm glad you're making The Chosen. Um, I just would love to see you clear this up for the sake of people who might be deceived and might believe a wrong gospel. All right? So um, let's move on now. Let's talk about a different gospel. What is the gospel? What is the actual gospel of Jesus Christ? We get that given to us in 1 Corinthians 5, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11. Paul clarifies exactly what it is. And this is such a good little package because we can be confused about exactly what the gospel is. Here he says, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel 
which I preached to you, which you also received and by which you stand. So the gospel can be received. You can stand on the gospel. At the end of this quote, he's going to talk about believing. So you receive the gospel, you stand in the gospel, and you believe the gospel. Those are the three things we find in this text, okay? So you have received it, you believed it, and you stand in it, by which also you are saved. The gospel, receiving the gospel, is how you are saved. He says, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And that is that you could believe like a demon believes, you could believe it's true, but never really receive it and trust in him. So it's got to be more than just believing that it's there or it happened. You have to actually trust your life to Christ. He says, unless you believe in vain, and that would be people who would believe it, but don't follow him. Like demons who believe it, but don't follow him. For I delivered to you first that which I received. He wants you to know this wasn't his origin. He received this. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That's the first part of the gospel. Jesus died for our sins and it was foretold in the Old Testament. That's part of the gospel, that it is prophecy. The gospel is prophecy fulfilled. Isaiah 53, 6, and the iniquity of us all was placed upon him. I think that's the right citing. And Jesus in the New Testament, we see died for our sins, just as it says there. So it was foretold according to the scripture that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to scripture. There are prophecies that speak of Jesus being resurrected. You will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. I think that's Psalm 1610. Um, also in Psalms 22 and also in Isaiah 53, you have the one who dies. He's cut off from the land of the living and yet he sees his days. He's able to continue to go on. So the, the, all of this was foretold. And by the way, we know now that there is evidence that Jesus lived, was killed by Pontius Pilate, and on the third day, the tomb was empty. Those are three things that we know. And there's a consensus among scholars on. There are certainly scholars that will deny it, but most scholars will say, because you have Roman historians quoting that Jesus was killed under Pontius Pilate, why would someone like Tatticus, a Roman historian, write that if it wasn't true? So, you believe that this is this and that the scriptures foretold it. And again, he kind of gives this in Romans chapter 10 when he says, if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Okay, so this is again, according to the scriptures, it was foretold. And then it says, and that he was buried and he rose again, as was foretold, and that he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, then the 12, then by the 12, so Peter first, then the 12. Uh, after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to this present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, that's the brother of Jesus or the half-brother of Jesus, then by the apostle. And last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time that was on the road to Damascus. And I am the least of the apostles. Paul declares his apostleship to the Corinthians as well, but I'm the least of the apostles. Um, I am what I am. And that just means he's Popeye. Right? I am what I am. Bad? No good? All right. I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more, um, but, I, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which is with me. Therefore, whether I was, um, therefore, 
whether it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. So there you have the believed. You've got the received and stand in, and now you've got the believed. So this is a concise of what the gospel is really about. This is what we have been given. This is what churches need to teach. And this is what is not being taught in many churches. They'll talk about positive things. And I don't have any problem with talking about how to have a good marriage, how to be a good parent, uh, how to be fulfilled, how to be satisfied, how to be enthusiastic, other messages they might put together. That's fine. Make sure you preach the gospel, though. Make sure that that's not what your church is about. It's not a self-help gospel. Let me give you, uh, well, let's look at verse six of our text. This is the beginning of it. Paul says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you to the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Paul, it was amazing to him that they would so soon hear something different and they would turn to it. Some of the different gospels, we know what their different gospel was, one of them anyway. We know now some of the different gospels we have today, there is the prosperity gospel, the health and wealth gospel. That's the prosperity gospel. God wants you rich. God never wants you to be sick. This is tickling your ears. In the last days, you will heap men will heap up teachers who will tickle their ears. First time I heard this doctrine, I was 19 years old. I was told that I could have a Cadillac if I wanted to in a two-story house. And I, and I was kind of like, what a coincidence. God wants me rich and I want to be rich. How about that? I like that. There's the self-esteem gospel. This is the teaching that what really matters is that you love yourself. You've got to love yourself before you can love other people. So give yourself a hug. Tell yourself how much you love each other. Come on now, everybody, hug yourself and tell yourself I love. I'm not kidding. That's what's preached. That's how it's preached. And everybody in the audience, I love you. I love me. I love myself. You know, self-esteem gospel. It's a false gospel. The signs and wonders gospel that God reveals himself through signs and wonders and backs the message up through signs and wonders. Again, just not biblical. It would be great if that was the case and we could all walk around doing signs and wonders, but that's just not the case. The social justice gospel, which is one of the newer false teachings in progressive Christianity. Progressive Christianity teaches that uh, you got you to gotta follow your heart. That, you, you know, you, you, you're basically good inside and you got to follow your heart and God's love and therefore we've got to love everybody and we don't want to be, we don't want to, take a stand against anybody. And so we just got to have that love. They're very L, L, LGBTQ affirming because of that. Well, God wouldn't hate them. And I would agree. God didn't hate them. But it doesn't mean God thinks it's okay. Right? We, God does love. So the social justice gospel just says, well, what Jesus really was teaching was that we're just go out and do a, a, a bunch of things for people. And we are, we do need to, we want to. When we're transformed, we want to help those who are poor. But, but you don't get saved by social justice. There's the moralism gospel. People believe that they can be saved by being good. We know that's wrong. There's the religious gospel. People think that they can be saved by just being religious. We know that's wrong. There's the you are God's gospel. And I'm not talking about LDS theology now. I'm talking about those who teach you're gods. You got you. You got being, being cre given creative things and you're gods with a little G and you could speak things into existence. So stop. Stop. Uh, when you when you got a stomach ache, stop saying you have a stomach ache. Say you feel fine. 
Stop saying, I don't do that well. Say, I do it good. Because you're speaking things into, God spoke into existence, and so you can speak them into existence as well. It's um, not true. I was going to say all kinds of things, but decided on not true. There's the progressive gospel, which is kind of a repackaging of the new age. And some in the progressive gospel will believe the real gospel, but many, most in the progressive movement don't. They, they deny what the Bible says and they see our stands as being the worst thing in the world. We're the problem because of what we believe, the progressive gospel. And if you, if you don't know what the progressive gospel teaches and you're being exposed to it, do some studying. There's a lot of good things. Alyssa Childers, again on YouTube, has a great video on progressive Christianity. Alyssa Childers used to be in Zoe Girl and she does a great video on it. It will really inform you as to what's taking place with progressive Christianity today or the progressive gospel. There's the universal gospel. Everybody's saved. You know, everybody's going to make it in the end. There's the mystic gospel. This is um, taught in a lot of churches um, that a lot is unknown and we just have to seek God. It's almost like Gnosticism. We've got to seek God and we're going to be enlightened the more we seek him. The truth isn't found in the word of God. It's found in your revelation to yourself. So just be aware of these. So in verse seven, he goes on to say that it's not another gospel. So the word gospel means what? Good news. It's good news that we receive God. It's good news that Jesus comes and lives inside of us. That's good news. And theirs really isn't good news. The, the, their, their news is you got to keep the law. What are you doing? Men get circumcised. That's bad news, not good news. Right? The, the rest of it, keep, keep the dietary laws. That's all bad news. They're taking away your freedom. So then he goes on to say, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. There's a perversion of the gospel. It looks like the gospel when you see it from a distance, but when you get up close, you realize that's not the gospel. That's not what we've been given. That's not what we're supposed to preach when it says in Mark 16, preach the gospel to every creature. We're supposed to preach the real genuine gospel. And then he gets really strong with it. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, back to LDS, remember, it was the angel Moroni that came to Joseph Smith that gave him the golden tablets that he supposedly translated. By, by the way, Joseph Smith, I keep on picking on Mormons today, but um, Joseph Smith is a proven fraud. In his copy of the Bible, he wrote his own copy, his own translation. He added to the end of the book of, of Revelation and put himself in it that there would become one along who would do this, do that, do that, and his name would be Joseph. He actually added himself in it. And you can go online and read their version, his version of Genesis, and go to Genesis 50 and just keep going, and you'll see where, what he wrote. He obviously didn't translate that from any manuscript because we have manuscripts from Genesis and we know that they're not in there. He just added to it. So I'm going to stop picking on LDS now, all right? For now. Um, which is not another but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach another gospel to you than what you have been preached to you, let him be accursed. Now, this is not talking about the people that are in these churches, whether it's LDS or um, Jehovah Witnesses uh, or a progressive church, which by the way, progressive churches all die. 
And, and, and here's why. They say the Bible's not true. The Bible's not true. You don't have to follow it. Don't worry about reading it. So you get up one morning, you go, why am I going to go to church? It's not true. I can find my truth within myself. And so they die. That's exactly what happens. When a church becomes a progressive church, they end up dying. So let them be a curse. It's not talking about people sitting in the pews. It's talking about the people teaching it. If they're bringing you another gospel, then let them be accursed. It's not talking about deceived people. They just need to hear the right gospel and give their lives to Christ. But those people that are preaching it, these cult leaders, let them be accursed, he says. It's very strong. For, or, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? He realizes that we can follow these things and not be pleasing God at all. In fact, people a lot of times don't want to hear who false teachers are. When every once in a while, I'll give a name of someone who's a false teacher. And if you've been ministered to by them, and remember, they mix the truth with the lies. And so you could have heard the truth from them, been ministered by them, and then you hear that they have a false teaching and you get mad at me. You're like, that's it. I'm leaving Calvary. I'm done. Can't believe that he didn't like that person. And it's like, well, who's your loyalty to? I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about is your loyalty to that, that, that teacher that taught something false or is your loyalty to God and the truth? Do you serve men or do you serve God? Do you want to follow God and what he says? Or do you like a person and so you want to follow them? And so when I say Joel Osteen doesn't teach the gospel, he's a good teacher, a lot of positive things. He does a lot to encourage people, but doesn't teach the gospel. And people say, well, I've been ministered to by him. Okay, well, okay. I'm not even saying he's a false teacher because I don't know. I'm, I don't want to judge people that way. I don't want to judge that they're a false teacher or false prophet. I want to judge the teaching. He's not teaching the gospel. And with the gospel not teach, what are you doing? And the, the, the same could be true. And I could go on and talk about other people that, that, that teach the same kind of things and just don't teach the gospel. But I won't. But are you pleasing God or pleasing men? Do you want to be pleased by men? Do you want to follow men? Do you want to follow God? He says, for if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. In other words, you guys are listening to what these guys are saying. You are pleasing them by doing what they're telling you to do. And you're now not following God. Who do you want to be? You want to please men or you want to please God? And if you're following men, you're no longer a bondservant of Christ. And we want to be a bondservant of Christ. So we want to follow the things that Jesus gives us to follow. Three things in closing. Believe the biblical gospel. Believe it. If you need refreshment on it, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11. Memorize it if you want to. Memorize the key parts of it. But believe it, receive it, and stand in it. It is how you are saved. By receiving, believing, and standing in the gospel. The Bible has a lot to say about being a good parent, a lot to say about being a good husband, a good wife. The Bible has a lot to say about how to live life fulfilled. But if you don't have the Christ, what good is it? So you, so you end up being a better father. But what good is it if you don't have Christ? You haven't received him. You haven't been saved. You are not standing in him. Number two, defend the gospel. 
defend it. Be a defender of the gospel. Stand true with what it is. Don't let people, when somebody teaches something that's wrong, reject it. Defend it. Be a strong defender of the gospel. And here I'll speak strongly to those of you who are pastors and leaders. Defend the gospel. Make it part of what you do because it's the way people get saved. And if you give them something else, that's fine as long as you're giving them the gospel as well. The third thing is to keep the pure gospel. Don't let it get watered down with other kinds of stuff. Don't water it down in your own mind. Well, yeah, that's the gospel, but it's also this and it's also this. No, that's the gospel. That's what you receive. That's what you stand in. That's what you're saved in. That's what you believe in. It's what is life transforming. And if people come preaching another gospel, then uh, reject it because they will be accursed. There's different punishments in hell. Some are beaten with few stripes and some are beaten with many. And I promise one day I'm going to do a teaching on hell. I promise. I've been promising it for like five years. But there's a lot of misconceptions about it. There are different punishments in hell. I'm going to take it that being accursed is probably not going to get a light punishment in hell. I, I think their punishment is going to be severe. And so stand on that gospel, preach it, believe it, defend it, keep it pure. And we'll see the people around us come to Christ. Because if we don't do that, how are they going to come to him? Stand with me, would you, and let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for what we learn here. We thank you for this strong passage about the purity of the word of God and the purity of the gospel. And that if anybody comes teaching us something that is different than what we have heard, let them be accursed. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us, that we would walk in the gospel, keep it, defend it, and believe it. And we ask you this in the name of Jesus. Amen.